All right, so you know, in Parshish Chukas, we have one of the most uh, inexplicable stories in all of Chomish and all of Tanakh, and that's the story of the Meim Meriva, where Moshe Rabbeinu was told to speak to the rock, and for whatever reason, he doesn't speak to the rock, he hits the rock, and because of that, he's not led into Eretz Yisrael. You know, what's amazing is, is that in, 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 in the Psukim, it's literally just a few Psukim, and that's it, we move on to the next story. But, uh, you know, the cataclysmic event of the Meim Riva, of Moshe Rabbeinu hitting the rock and not speaking to it, it's, uh, it's a Pella, it's a Pella. So we have to begin to at least try to unravel that Indian of what was going on over there with Moshe Rabbeinu, the Nisayin of Moshe, that opportunity that evidently was lost. What could have been gained if Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to the rock? Because we know that Zelu Mezaso Lokim, you know, it, it, if you have a, an, an action which which bears such a difficult consequence of Moshe Rabbeinu not entering the land. So it must be that that was a big Indian. That was a big Indian. And so we have to figure out two things. What could have been if Moshe Rabbeinu spoke to the rock? What would have that have meant? And if we understand that, we'll understand why it was such a tragedy for Moshe Rabbeinu to hit the rock. But let's begin. You know, we know the Rabbani Shalom always works, me and me the measure for measure. So if we want to understand the nature of a particular Indian, we always have to look at the consequences. So if the consequences of Moshe Rabbeinu hitting the rock was that he's not allowed to go into Eretz Yisrael, so it must be that this Indian, that that punishment, quote-unquote, is, is midah k'negah midah, there's a relationship there. Now we have another uh, sin of the Jewish people that also led to the same consequence of not being allowed into Eretz Yisrael, and that's the chet maraglim, the spies. Now if both the maraglim and hitting the rock result in the same punishment, basically, not being allowed into Eretz Yisrael. So, that, so it tells you automatically that those two sins of the Meraglim and hitting the rock must be related to each other. But the truth is, Moshe Rabbeinu himself says this in, in Parshish Tevar, when Moshe Rabbeinu is chazering over the mice of the Meraglim. So he says, as a result of the sin of the spies, Moshe says, Gam bi his anaf Hashem and also on me, the Rabbani Shloylam was upset because of you, and he told me I'm not allowed to go to Eretz Yisrael either. So the, the, the simple Pasuk is sort of telling us that Moshe Rabbeinu is saying that he is not allowed into Eretz Yisrael because of the Meraglim. Rashi, Ramban, everyone comments on that. That's, that's not true. Moshe Rabbeinu was not punished because of the Meraglim. He was punished because of his own personal sin of hitting the rock. So the, uh, Rashi deals with it, the Ramban deal with it. But in, in Panimis, what you see over here is that there's uh, this tumah, this klipa, this mistake of the Meraglim, although Moshe Rabbeinu did not partake in that mistake on the level of the Meraglim, but on a more subtle level, that same Indian, um, you know, sort of, uh, 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 ra- you know, uh, raised its ugly head in the life of Moshe Rabbeinu in terms of the story of hitting the rock. So hitting the rock and the sin of the Meraglim, it's coming from the same Tumah. It's coming from the same mistake, the same, the same problem. Albeit Moshe Rabbeinu, uh, when, he, when he made the, his mistake of hitting the rock, it was on a much more subtle level. But it's the same Inyan. Again, Vaharaya, they have the same punishment. So it must be that they're related to each other. And that's what Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, that you, 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 you started that boulder rolling. You opened that door of uh, the Meraglim, and then it was only a matter of time until I succumbed to that same mistake on my level. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu is saying, that because of you, I fell into the mistake of the Meim Meriva. And so that's question number one. What exactly, to begin to unravel these Indian, this Indian, we have to understand what's the relationship between the story of the Meraglim and the story of Moshe Rabbeinu hitting the rock. Now, the truth is, it goes, it goes deeper than that. Even those two sins of what? Of the Meraglim and hitting the rock are both also rooted in an earlier sin of the Jewish people, which is the Chet Egel. So, for example, uh, as a result of the Chet Egel, we know that the, the, the um, uh, uh, Moshe Rabbeinu goes to bat for us, right? He defends us. And the Rabbani Shalom, in his kindness, as a sign of the Kapara and the Rabbani Shalom forgiving us on some level from the Chet Egel, so the Rabbani Shalom reveals to Moshe Rabbeinu the Yud Gil Midas Rachamim, right? The 13 attributes of mercy, Hashem, Hashem, Kol Racham, Lechanan. And as Chazal say, that the Rabbani Shalom told Moshe Rabbeinu that whenever Klai Yisrael are in danger and they need help, so Asul Afanik Yisrael has performed this, you know, Bima uh, Oyer, activate and uh, unleash the power of the Yud Gil Midas Rachamim. 
Now, we, in, within Chumash, there's only one other time that Moshe Rabbeinu Taka uses that weapon of the Yud Mitzrachimim, or at least some of them, and that is in the aftermath of the Meraglim. So if the Tikkun that the Rabbani Shalom revealed for the Chet Egel, which was Yud Mitzrachimim, is used by Moshe Rabbeinu as a result of the, uh, of the Chet Egel, and Moshe Rabbeinu uses that in the aftermath of Masakin with the Chet of the Meraglim, then that al- again, that also tells you that the Meraglim are rooted in the Chet Egel. More than that, not only do we see the Meraglim are rooted in the Chet Egel, but the demise of Moshe Rabbeinu as a result of hitting the rock also was rooted in the Chet Egel. Chazal, the Pasuk says that when Moshe Rabbeinu came down from the mountain and uh, he meets Yeshua Benun, because Yeshua Benun was staying by Arsinai, Yeshua Benun never left Moshe Rabbeinu's tent. And so they hear the sound of Kala Yisrael doing the Aver of the Chet Egel. So Yeshua Benun says that he hears the sound of war. So, the Rabbani, so Moshe says to Yeshua, it's a Pasuk in, in Parashat Kisisa, Loi kalanaz gevura, loi kalanaz chalusha, kalanaz anaycha shemeya, that Moshe Benin says, no, 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 that's not warfare, that's not victory, that's not defeat, that's the sound of Averis. And so Chazal, in the Medrash, say the following thing, it's a Medrash Kehalas, Omer loi Moshe, that Moshe says to Yeshua, mi sha'asid lin haik sarara al samech riboy, that the one, you, who eventually will take over after my death and lead the 600,000, you have to have a better ear to, to be able to discern one sound from another, to, to be able to, sell, to tell the sound of war versus the sound of sin. And so this is the first lesson that Moshe Rabbeinu gives to Yishu Benun in terms of leadership and gives him a little bit of Musa, that he should be able to have a better ear to hear, to understand what the people are doing. But you see such an Indian that there is an awakening of the death of Moshe, which comes... As, as, as a result of the main Mariva, Davka by the Chet Egel. So the Chet Egel results in the Yudmus Rachimim, which Moshe uses as a response to the Meraglim. And that's so the Meraglim are connected to the Chet Egel. Moshe Rabbeinu's death is already being Nisayr as a result of the Chet Egel. So main Mariva is connected to the Chet Egel. And the truth is, on, on some level, we find this as well that. The, 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 what the Rabbani Shalom threatened Klai Yisrael with uh, because of the sin of the Egel was the, the, the destruction of Klai Yisrael. Now, if we think about it, the, 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 that, that really happened as a result of hitting the rock. Moshe Rabbeinu, Chazal say, Shakul Kenegah Klai Yisrael is equal to the 600,000. He is all of Klai Yisrael. So although Klai Yisrael weren't destroyed by the Chet Egel, but when that Chet Egel then eventually materializes in the life of Moshe Rabbeinu with the Indian of hitting the rock, it results in, on some level, the death of Klaiso, which is the demise of Moshe. And not just his death, but also his death before going into Eretz Yisrael, which is like the Meraglim. So in other words, what we're seeing over here is that there's, there's a marocha, there's a parts of, there's a structure of sin that's, that's being, that, 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 we're, that we're seeing over here. The root of it is in Chet Egel. That's the root. And that root... Although Moshe Rabbeinu davens for us for 40 days and 40 nights, and the Rabbanu Shalom says, I forgive you, but it was not completely obliterated, that root. And that root of sin that's called the Egel then rears its ugly head in the, in the Indian of the Meraglim, and then it rears its ugly head again in the life of Moshe in particular with hitting the rock. But it's all one long shalshalas. It's because of this, for example, Chazal say that if you think about it, the entire story of the Meim Meriva of hitting the rock, which which again, according to what we're saying, is the reemergence of the Cheta Egel. If that's what the sin of hitting the rock was, then it means that right now there is an opportunity, if Moshe Rabbeinu did not make the mistake of hitting the rock, there is an opportunity of completely obliterating that root of sin that's called the Egel. So in other words, most of that, most of that problem of the Cheta Egel maybe was taken care of by Moshe Rabbeinu, for davening for 40 years and 40 nights, but Lemaisa, a little bit of it was left, a little seed of it was left, and now there's an opportunity to completely obliterate it. But, because, you know, but you know, it's always like this, whenever you have an animal, the most dangerous animal is a cornered one, right? Uh, you have a squirrel, and the squirrel's afraid of a human being, it'll run away, it won't attack you, but if it's cornered and it has nowhere else to go, then you better watch out. So when the sitrach or the other side it's now being, now the, the job of Moshe Rabbeinu by speaking to the rock is mamish to obliterate that root of, of sin that's called the ego. So there's going to be that last kick of adrenaline that the Eitzar has, which is going to be extremely dangerous. And so this results in 
the mistake of Moshe Rabbeinu hitting the rock, which is then rebuilding that infrastructure of the sin of the eagle on some level, resulting in the death of Klai Yisrael through Moshe Rabbeinu himself. But we see this, that this moment of Moshe Rabbeinu being told to speak to the rock and not to hit the rock, was taka a moment where there was an opening for the complete tikkun of the Chet Egel. Because Chazal say, if you think about it, the whole story of hitting the rock, speaking to the rock, begins with the Pasuk that says, Vatamash Miriam, Miriam passes away. And we know the well that Kalah Yisrael were surviving on through the desert was in the Schus of Miriam. So Miriam is gone. And because Miriam is gone, the well dries up, and now Kalah Yisrael need water. And the whole story, and Moshe Ben was told to speak to the rock, and instead of that, he hits the rock. But this, the death of Miriam is what started this whole thing. And the death of Miriam, right before that, the, the parasha talks about Paraduma. Now there's a Gemara in Ma'ikad, and the Gemara says in Ma'ikad in Chavches Medalef, Amr of Ami, Rav Ami said, Lama nism Miriam Paraduma. Why is the death of Miriam right after the parasha of Paraduma? So says the Gemara, Lama Lachat to tell you that Ma Paraduma Mechaperes, just as the Paraduma brings a Kapara, Af Misasin Shel Tzadikim Mechaperes, so too does the death of Tzadikim, and in this case Miriam, brings a Kapara. So Taisa says over there, what Kapara are we talking about? What Kapara does the Paraduma bring? The Paraduma brings Tahara, brings purity, from touching a dead body, but what kapara are we talking about? Says Taisvis, Pirish al The paraduma, not only does it bring tahara to the individual, the parsha of paraduma, the inya paraduma, is, is a kapara for the chet egel. Kedamina be medrash, Taisvis brings down the famous medrash, Rashi also brings it in Chumash, that Moshe ben Hashivcha, Shatinif Paltrin Shamelech, it's like a baby, that, uh, that child that makes the, the palace of the king dirty. And the king says, Let the mother come and clean up the mess of the child. So the, the Egel was a calf, so let the para, which is a cow, clean up the mess of the child. So again, so what is Taisu saying, based on the Gemara? So it says the Gemara, that the death of, of Miriam is mechaper, just like the paradum is mechaper. And what is the paradum mechaper on? The Chet Egel. So the death of Miriam is mechaper in the Chet Egel. So let's, let's understand. So the death of Miriam, according to Tysus and this Gemara Maid Kadin, was a huge, a huge step towards being masakin completely the Chet Egel. Moshe Rabbeinu started that tikkun with 40 days and 40 nights, but now the death of Miriam, and maybe we have to talk about this why Dafka Miriam, but the death of Miriam was a window to f- completely fix that mistake. And this is what, the, and therefore it led to Moshe Rabbeinu being told to speak to the rock, which would have completely fixed the Chet Egel, but because a cornered animal is the most dangerous animal, and then even Moshe Rabbeinu fell into the mistake on his level of the Chet Egel, which was by hitting the rock, and by hitting the rock, therefore resulted in, in restart, rebooting that sin of the Chet Egel, which was the root of not just the Chet Egel, it was the root of the Meraglim, and hit and, and, as well, and because of that, it results in Moshe Rabbeinu's death, which is Klal Yisrael's death on some level, and also not being allowed into Eretz Yisrael. So another, that's what we're seeing over here, is that to really appreciate this Indian of speaking to the rock versus hitting the rock, and what that, what that was, you have to, we have to realize that this is part of a much larger, larger story, which really began with the Chet Egel. The Chet Egel and the Meraglim, and hitting the rock are all one long Avera, or one big infrastructure of sin, and it's just manifesting in different ways and different, on different levels. But it's all one sogi, it's all one Indian. So now we have, uh, I guess, a larger task. We started off with trying to uh, tackle the sugi of speaking to the rock and hitting the rock, but now we have to go back to the Meraglim, the Chet Egel. So, okay, so we need Siad uh, Deshmai. Okay, so let's begin like this. To appreciate, like I said, based on what we just explained, without, without, um, without maybe understanding all the details, but what we are seeing over here is that this moment of Moshe Rabbeinu speaking to the rock, it would have been a moment of being Masak in the Chet Egel. So let's understand, what would have happened if the Chet Egel never happened, right? Because that's what, the, that's what speaking to the rock would have done. Speaking to the rock would have meant fixing completely the Chet Egel, which would have been similar as if the Egel never took place. So what would have happened if the, if the Egel never took place? Well, the answer is, if the Egel never took place, then we would have merited to receive the Luchas Rishainas, the first Luchas, the first Luchas. And we would have received, and more than that, that would have brought us into, and kept us eternally 
in a madrega of Adam Rish and Kaidim Achet, of Adam before the sin, we know Chazal tell us that when the Rabbani Shalom gave us the Torah before the Egel, and those, those little bit of time between, uh, between the giving of the Torah and the Egel, on some level we were, we were ushered into that place of Gan Eden, that place, that time where the filth of the snake was removed from us. Maybe it wasn't removed entirely to the degree that we were able to then fall back into that place through the Egel Hazav, but ultimately, ultimately, that what's, that's what would have happened if it wasn't for the Egel. We would have been like Adam Rishon in Gan Eden, choosing the tree of life over the tree of death, over the tree of, of knowledge, of good and evil. So if we think about it, not only is the story of hitting the rock and speaking to the rock rooted in the Chet Egel, but ultimately the Chet Egel itself is rooted in the sin of Adam and Chava, of eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil and choosing the Das over the Yitzhachayim. Because again, if it wasn't for the Chet Egel, we would have returned to that state of Adam and Chava before the sin. So if the Egel stops us from returning to Ganeidin, it means that the Egel was on some level weiter, continuing that mistake of Adam and Chava from eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. So, so, so now we're, even, we're pulled even back. So again, to understand this sugi, you have to go all the way, all the way back to really Adam and Chava, but, but to appreciate that this moment of speaking to the rock was a moment where there was an opportunity not just to fix that particular sin of the Egel, Haz, of, of the Egel Hazav, but Mamish to go back to Adam Rish and Kadim to choose the Yitzchayim over the Yitzhadas Taivara. And so we have to begin to unravel this sugi, what that means exactly, the Yitzhadas Taivara, the Yitzchayim, what does that mean, and, and, and why, what exactly does the Egel mean in that context, the Maraglim, Hitting the rock, so let, let, let's begin to learn. Okay, so there's a piece from Takuni Zoyer in Tikkun Chof Aleph. The Zoyer is talking about what was so significant about this rock. What did the rock represent? Uh, what was it a reflection of? And why was it so important for Moshe Rabbeinu to speak to the rock now and not to hit the rock? Because we know that in the beginning of the forty years, when the well of Miriam was first. Uh, first started, Moshe Rabbeinu was told, take the staff that you used to bring the miracles in Mitzrayim and hit the rock. All of a sudden, 40 years later, now Moshe Rabbeinu was told to speak to the rock. So something's going on over here. So what's the end with this rock? So the Zohar Kaddish, we'll just begin like this. The Zohar says like this, Begin the shechinta de'it marbah, halay koi devar ke'esh num Hashem, havishari b'pumayu de'israel, de'i Says the Zohar Kaddish, the reason why right now there was an opportunity to fix the Chet Egel and to bring us back to that place of the Eitzachayim, that the place of Adam Rishon, is because for the last 40 years, Klal Yisrael have been Isaac, have been involved with, in the, with the words of Hashem, which is Tar Shabal Peh. That's what the Zara says. That since for 40 years, Klal Yisrael had the words of Tar Shabal Peh in their mouth, in that schos, now there is an opportunity to be Mesaki in all these sins and to go back to, the, to basically the first Luchas. And how do I know, says Azar, that this is connected to that rock? The Ihi Sela. Because in this story, after 40 years, the rock is called by the word Sela. In the beginning of the 40 years, it's called Sur. Now it's called the Sela. Moshe Ben is told to speak to the Sela. The word Sela, Samach, Lamed, Ayin, says Azar, is a combination of two words. Al, Samach, Di'inun, Shitin, Mesachtis. Says Azar, Kadesh, the word Sela is a combination of two words. The one that resides, that's Hashem, the one that resides on Al-Samach, on the 60 Mesechtas of Shas. In other words, the Sela represents the Jewish people's involvement and, and in his kashras to Tarsh Balpeh, to the 60 Mesechtas, to Shishi Sidri Mishnah. The Shechinta Havenach Al-Tinra, and the, the Divine Presence was residing in that rock, which was the embodiment and the manifestation of all the Tarsh Balpeh, all the Mishnayas, and all the 60 Mesechtas that Kalei Yisrael have been involved in over the past 40 years, and because that's what this Sela, that's what this rock represented, it was not right for Moshe to hit it, Moshe Rabbeinu has to speak to it. Okay, now that's what the Zara says in Tikkuni Zara. So now we have a little bit of a puzzle piece, that the ending of this rock, the opportunity right now was because Kalei Yisrael have been Isaac for 40 years, in what? Not just Torah learning, but specifically in Tarsh Balpeh, in the Mishnayis, in Shishi Sidri Mishnah, in the 60 Mesechtas of Shas. And because of that, Moshe was supposed to speak to the rock. Now, why, why, what does that have to do with speaking to the rock and not hitting the rock? So the Tukun doesn't explain that. But there's another place in the Zayar, in Raya Mehem, the Parashat Kiseitse, that picks up where this Tukun leaves off. 
And the Zara says like this, Sel de Moshe, regarding this rock that Moshe, of Moshe Rabbeinu, Alei Yitmar, it says in Pasuk, Vidibartem el Asel you should speak to the rock in front of Klai Yisrael, Vinasameimav, and it'll, on its own it will give off its water. Says the Zara, this rock demanded to be spoken to and to be, to be uh, spoken to nicely and, 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 and to be mafayas, to make it feel good. Why? Says the Zara, because this rock represents the daughter of the king. The, the daughter of the king is not someone that you hit. It's not someone that you speak even, even, even to do force against. It's someone that you have to speak to nicely. You have to speak modestly and softly to the Bas Melech. In other words, putting these Zars together. What we're seeing over here is that this rock represented and was the embodiment of what? Of 40 years of the Asik of Tersh Baal Peh. The Asik of what? Of Mishnayis. Al Samach. Right, the sixty mistakhtas of Shas, and therefore, because of that, it was appropriate to speak the rock and not hit the rock. Why? Because the sixty mishnayos and Tarsh Bal Peh, the Klai Yisrael ben Isikin, is compared to the daughter of the king, and the daughter of the king you have to speak to respectfully. As Isaac the Zar. Now, this is a big problem. This is a big problem because many places in the Zar Kadosh we find mamish the opposite. We do find in the Zar Kadosh this ending that there's a side of Tyre which is called the daughter of the king. And there's a side of Torah which is called the servant or the, or, the, or the maid of the king. But in the Zara Kodesh, in many places, we find that it's Kabbalah and Pneumius Torah that's described as the daughter of the king. The servant of the king is Mishnayis. That's what the Zara says, that the word Mishnah, on a simple level, comes to the word Shinun, or to learn, to teach, to, to understand. But uh, the word Mishnah also comes to the word Mishnah Lamelech, the second to the king. Like Mordechai is Mishnah Melech, or, or Yosef HaTzadik is Mishnah Melech. The Mishnah Melech is a position of authority. But what that position is, is that he's the servant of the king. The servant of the king is someone that you have to respect. Eved Melech Kemelech, but it's not the son of the king, it's not the prince. It's the servant of the king. So Mishnah says the Zara Kaddish is the servant of the king. The, the son of the king, the princess of the king, who is that? That's... Pnimi Satar, that's Kabbalah, that's Maisim Rekava. The Zohar Kodesh writes this in many, many places. Rechaim Vital in his introduction to Yitzchayim quotes this all over the place. Uh, one Lushen that he has is over here, it says, uh, to unravel the sugi, we have to sort of begin with a Yisoyed that I, I mentioned a number of times, it should be familiar probably by now, but it's, uh, it's an important Yisoyed to start with. There are two, according to the Sermak and the Kabbalim, there are two levels of Torah itself. Just like when we talk about, again, going back to what I said before, the Eitzachayim versus the Eitzadas Toivarah, these aren't just trees, you know. There is a level of Yiddishkeit, there's a level of Torah which is called the Torah of the Eitzachayim, and there's a level of Torah which is called the Torah of the Eitzadas Toivarah. What's the difference between these two? So, what is the Torah of the Eitzachayim? Because you'll find in Svarim that that madrega of Torah, which is called the Torah of the Eitzachayim, is also called, there's another word, just it's good to know, it's, uh, it's called the Torah of Atzilus. So what does it mean, the Torah of the Eitzachayim? So the Torah of the Eitzachayim is a Torah that is just one sogya, and one sogya only. And that sogya is Yudke Vavke, the sogya of Hashem, the sogya of Elikos. That's the only sogya that's talked about. You know, the Ramban famously writes, and it's, the Zara Kaddish also says this, it's rooted in Chazal, that, all the, that on its highest level, on its, on its highest is the wrong word, on its, on its truest level, on its truest level, what is Tyra? Tyra is just it's all one long stream of divine names. See, what, what's, a, what's a name? A name is a way in which you express yourself, right? That's a way in which you enter into the world, and now, now you come into the world and you're, in, and you're able to relate to the world because the world has a, has a, has a way to call you, has a way to relate to you. That, that's what your name is. If you're within yourself, you don't need a name. Your name means how you are moving beyond yourself, how you are unpackaging yourself, how you are manifesting and revealing yourself to the rest of the world. The entire Torah is just an infinite combination of all different names of Hashem. In other words, it's just one sugi, which is Elokos, God himself. And it's just a matter of unpackaging that reality that's called God in, in, in 613 different ways. And each one of those 613 in itself is divided into a myriad of, of, of particulars. It's all one big Indian of Shemus Akdashim. And ultimately, ultimately, every single divine name is, is 
expressing Hashem and, and, and bringing the Rabbanu Shalom into the light of, of reality in a particular way. And it's all rooted ultimately in the, in the essential name of Hashem, which is Yudkei So in other words, the Torah of the Eitz HaChayim is what Torah is in its truest form, in its highest form, in its most pure form, which is nothing but Elokos, nothing but Yudkei nothing but derivatives of Yudkei nothing but Shemus Haktoshim. Nothing but shame and This is what it. This is what it means when we talk about the Torah, or like the, the Zarkhish says that Pnimi Satara is described as the son of the king or the daughter of the king. A son and a daughter are extensions of the parents. It's how the parent moves to the next generation, right? Like, in, 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 if you think about it in theory, like a person sort of has his kufa that he lives in, but the way that that person moves on and sort of and sort of continues on beyond his limitations and sort of moves uh, and is able to be related, relatable to the next generation is through their children. So when we talk about the Torah being described as the son of the king or the daughter of the king, it's talking about this level of Torah, which is the Eitzachayim, the Torah of Shemes Akdash, the Torah of Yehudim, the Torah that all it is is one sogia. That's the Torah of the Eitzachayim. And this is what we would have experienced if Adam didn't sin. This is what we would have experienced if it wasn't for the Chetayigal. We would have got the Luchas Rishinus, which would have been that version of Torah. But un- unfortunately, because of our sins, we were not Zaycha to that, and we received instead the Torah of the Eitzadah's Tavara. What's the Torah of the Eitzadah's Tavara? Whereas the Torah of the Eitzachayim is one sugya, and that's Havaya, Yudke Vavke, that's all there is. The sugya of the Eitzadah's Tavara is not like that. The sugya of the Eitzadah's Tavara is many, many sugyas. It's Brachas, Shabbos, Erevin, Psachim, uh, Ksubis, and Yavamis, and Gidin and Kedushin, and Baba Kama Baba and Taharis, and Mesechus Para, and Uksin, and Nida. It's a million sukkis. It's a million sukkis. And every single sukki is completely disjointed from the other one. A person can know Mesechus Psachim and not have any clue what's going on in Mesechus Uksin. Why? Because what does Hilchas Pesach, which is what Mesechus Pesachim is about, have anything to do with complicated halachas of Tahara, which is what Mesechus Uksin is about? Well, these are two separate sugyas. That's all the Torah of the Yisadah's Tavira, of good and evil. There's, you know, there's different directions. Now, all those sugyas are ultimately also about how to live according to God's will, but the name of Hashem that's ultimately sort of the guiding force behind the Torah of the Yisadah's is what? Is the name of Elkim. Because the name of Elkim means that there's a Bayer, there's a God, but he's Baal HaKaychas Kulam. He's the master of all these energies. He's the one in control. He's the creator. But there are other things besides him. There are Kaychas out there. There's good and there's evil. There's Kasher, there's Pasel, there's Tameh, there's Tahar, there's Psachim, and there's Yuvamas. There's all sorts of Mesechtas out there, all sorts of Sugyas. It's not one Sugya. And you can have one Sugya without the other. It's disjointed. That's the Torah of the Luchas Shniyas, of the second Luchas. That's the Torah of the Eitzadah's Torah. But here's the amazing thing. Here's the amazing thing. What is the first sugya of Shas? What's the first sugya of Shisha Sidra Mishnah? So we know the first sugya of Shisha Sidra Mishnah, which is Meseches Brachas. The first sugya talked about in Meseches Brachas is what? Is the Lachas of Krishna. See, Krishna is an amazing thing. Krishna is not only something that is a mitzvah. I, I, I'll give you an example. You know, the Mishnah says in, in Mesachas Pesachim, it's right in the beginning of the first parak, the, the, the Mishnah says, talking about the halachas of Krishna, of uh, when the Zman of Krishna is, when the Zman of Krishna is at a night, and when the Zman of Krishna is in the morning, and you have this certain window of opportunity, you know. So it says the Mishnah, Kari Mekan Ve'elech, a person that reads Krishna after the Zman, so loy hivsid kadam hakar It's not so bad. It's no worse than than reading chumash. L'maisa kriyishma as a pasuk in chumash. So you didn't lose out too much. Uh, you're learning. It's not a bad thing. So mafarshim may ask, why does the mission have to even say that? Uh, yeah, I, I understand that that kriyishma is a is a parsh in chumash. So clearly, I get the schar of learning. But but we're talking about the mitzvah of kriyishma in terms of the mitzvah of kriyishma that exists as one of the six thirteen. Separate than the midst of learning, then 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 I, I completely I completely lost it if I didn't do it bismanai. It happens to be uh, besides the midst of Krishna, it's also the midst of learning. So I get I have a secondary mitzvah which is the midst of Talmud Torah, but but what what the topic of the first parak of, of brachas, which is about the midst of Krishna as an independent mitzvah, that I completely lost out after this man. So why is the why is the mission even have to tell us? Oh, and by the way, you didn't lose out too much because you're also learning. That's not that's not the topic. That's not the Indian. So based on this, Rishonim, Rambam, and others explain 
that what the mission is trying to hint to you is that that's, that the aside of Kriyashima that we say twice a day in the morning and at night are not, it's not a separate mitzvah. It's like there's a mitzvah to shake Lov and Esrik, there's a mitzvah to put on the film, there's a mitzvah to say Kriyashima. No. The aside of the mitzvah of Kriyashima is it's part of the mitzvah of learning. It's just the mitzvah Talmud Torah that, that we know of, of the 613 that's open-ended. What sugya does a person have to study in order to fulfill the mitzvah Talmud Torah? It could be anything, any sugya at all, it's, and it's up to you. When you're in yeshiva, they tell you what seder it is, but in terms of the Torah, in terms of the mitzvah Talmud Torah, you can learn whatever you want. You're kind of the mitzvah Talmud Torah. Comes the mitzvah of Kriyishma, and the mitzvah of Kriyishma says that within the mitzvah of learning, you can learn whatever you want throughout the day. But the beginning and end of the day, you have to learn the sugya of Hashem Echad. That's the mitzvah of Kriyishma. And therefore, the time frame of that mitzvah is not disconnected from the concept of learning. The mitzvah is to learn. It, usually, you can learn whatever you want. The Torah says, in this window of time, I want you specifically to learn the sugi of Shema Yisrael. That's the sugi that I want you to be studying. When you wake up in the morning, that time frame, the sugi is Hashem Echad. When you go to bed, the sugi is Hashem Echad. Says the Mishnah, if you miss that time frame, okay, so it's no, okay, at least you're learning. It's not a bad thing. The reason why the Mishnah even brings up learning, because that's what the mitzvah of Kriyishma is. Now let's understand, this is ironic, because what the Mishnah is telling us, by, by, by not only starting Shas with the Sugh of Kriyishma, but also telling us that, by the way, every single day, all the learning that you do throughout the day, whether it be Psachim and Yavamis and Ksubis, all the different sugyas of life that you go through throughout the day, you should know the beginning of that sugya and the end of that sugya is one Indian, which is... Hashem Echad. Hashem Echad, all there is is one God. That is the sugya that you are involved in. What this is telling us is an amazing secret. What it's telling us is, is that don't think that there's a sugya, there's a Torah which is called the Eitzachayim, and the sugya of the Eitzachayim is Hashem Echad, and we lost that, and all that we have now is a sugya of the Eitzadas, and the sugya of the Eitzadas is many, many sugyas. Comes Rabbeinu HaKadosh and Mishnayis, and establishes in the very beginning of Mishnayis, which is the Torah of the Yitzhadas, and tells you that although you might, you might read throughout all of Mishnayis many, many, many different sugyas, and you might experience life, the life of the Yitzhadas, which is also many, many, many sugyas, going to work and staying home and, and eating and drinking and learning and davening and doing all the things that you have to do in life, and those are all separate sugyas. So the Yitzhadas, Torah, but you should know that your day begins with Kriyishma, it ends with Kriyishma, and Tarsh Balpeh begins with Kriyishma to tell you that the Eitz HaChayim is within the Eitz Adas. Although on the outside you experience many, many sugyas, you should know, on the inside of what's really going on, all there is is one sugya of Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad. And that's the secret of Hashem Elokeinu Hashem Echad, that the name Elokim, which is the sugya of Shas, that Shem Elokim is in truth a derivative of Yurke Vavka, it itself is, the, is, is, is Hashem, as Havaya Elokeinu, Havaya Echad. That that Yurke Vavke and, and Elokim is one and the same. This is why, by the way, we find that if you take the name Elokim, it's an amazing thing, if you take the name Elokim and you spell it in full, so Aleph is Aleph Lamed Pei, and He is He Yud, and, uh, I'm sorry, the Lamed is Lamed Mem Dalet, and hey is hey yud, yud is yud vav dalid, and the mem is mem mem, so you spell out the name Elohim in full, it equals 300. Now 300 is also the numerical value of the letter shin, shin is 300. If you take the letter shin and you spell that out in full, so shin is shin yud nun, it equals begimachia, the word shas, word shas. Shas is the same gimachia as shin yud nun, shin samach, samach is 60, yud and nun is 60, so shin equals shas. It means that shas is connected to the name Elokim, right? Elokim, spelled out in full, is 300, which is the letter shin, and shin in full is shas. But what's amazing is, is that if you take the name yud Vavke, right, which is not the name Elokim, you take the name yud Vavke and you, and you uh, uh, calculate it in atbash, right? We know atbash means that every letter is connected to its opposite, right? So alf with tough and so on and so forth. The, letter, the, the, the name Yud Kevavke Natbash also equals 300, the letter Shin, which is Shas. So you see that the secret of Shas is that what you see on the outside is Elohim, on its inside, maybe in a, in a, in a backwards way, in a, in a complicated way, in an Atbash sticker way, Elohim is Havaya. That, that's the first sugi of Shas, is Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad.
that, that's, the, that's the secret of Tarsh Peh. The secret of Shishi Sitri Mishnah is that on the outside it's the Yitzhadas, but on the inside it's the Yitzhachayim. And that's exactly the secret of what's going on. We didn't lose the Luchas Rishainas. We didn't lose the Yitzhachayim. The Yitzhachayim is now contained and found within the Yitzhadas, Tevorah. Okay, so now with, with that introduction, now let's go back. Now let's go back to the story of the May Mariva, of Moshe Rabbeinu, hitting the rock, speaking to the rock, and let's begin to unravel, to unravel these secrets. So, it's like this. Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu takes us out of Mitzrayim. Let's, let's uh, crash course in, in history over here. Moshe Rabbeinu takes us out of Mitzrayim, and the Jewish people, right after Mitzrayim, before Har Sinai, before Har Sinai, the Jewish people don't have food, so Rabban Hashem gives us man. The Jewish people don't have water, and the Rabban Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, take the staff, hit the rock, and water will come out, and that's the well of Miriam. Let's understand. Chazal tell us that the eating of the Jewish people of the man and the drinking of the water that the Jewish people drank was not just for them to be able to survive. You need, you need food, you need water. It's much deeper than that. The Jewish people needed to prepare themselves to receive the Torah. But not just any Torah. Let's understand. Before, right after we left Mitzrayim, what was the plan? The plan was that we should get the Luchas Rishonim, so we should get the Eitzachayim. That was the plan. So the, the Klai Yisrael, though, when we left Mitzrayim, we were not holding by the Eitzachayim. We, we were just barely, we, we were just barely, you know, uh, we were still dripping from the waters of Mitzrayim. You know what I'm saying? We were still holding by very, very low level of the Eitzadah's Tevorah. We weren't holding by such big Hasagas of the Eitzachayim. But the Rabbanu Shalom had a plan that we have to be able to receive the Eitzachayim by our Sinai. So Rabbanu Shalom tells Moshe Rabbeinu, that I need you to begin to prepare them to eventually receive the Torah of the Yitzchak. Now let's understand. Moshe Rabbeinu himself, Moshe Rabbeinu himself is the Yitzchak. Where if the Jewish people were holding by the Yitzchak, that's the Jewish people. Moshe Rabbeinu himself is always by the Yitzchak. Moshe Rabbeinu was not involved in the avdus of, of of Mitzrayim. Moshe Rabbeinu, his whole Indian is the tree of life. Moshe Rabbeinu. Moshe Rabbeinu is forever. Moshe Rabbeinu is, is bigger. Rabbeinu, the Torah of Moshe Rabbeinu is the Torah of the Yitzchayim. And when the Rabbanu Shalom tells Moshe Rabbeinu, you're the Yitzchayim, you're holding by that level, the Kleist are holding by the Yitzchayim, but you have the responsibility to give them an appetizer, be, give them something, a taste, a ha'ara, uh, give them some fluid from the Yitzchayim that they should be able to be prepared to receive the essence of the Yitzchayim. And this was the Indian, according to Mukubalam, this was the Indian of Moshe Rabbeinu hitting the rock. The waters of the well of Miriam that would flow out of that rock to sustain the Jewish people is what are the waters of the Eitzachayim. It's the waters of the Eitzachayim. And that, that was, those were Moshe Rabbeinu's waters. Those are, that's a taste of the Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu is really supposed to be giving us, which is the Torah of the Eitzachayim. But because the Jewish people were not holding by that in the beginning of the 40 years, Therefore, the Indian of Moshe Rabbeinu was to give us a taste of those waters of the Yitzchayim by way of hitting the rock. He was supposed to hit the rock then. Why? See, the word haka, we think of it in just physical terms of like a violent act of aggression, hitting. In Chazal, we find, and by the Mekobalim, you find this in the Kisveri especially, that the word haka is a code word for a yichud, for a union of two things, that are not really ready for each other, but we got to just make it work. That's what Hakka means. For example, you know, the Fiyami there, you know, the end of the finishing Yavamas already, so in Yavamas we find that Lashen of Hakka, of Hika B'Yavimtai. Only by Yavamas do we find such a thing of where a, a Yavam and a Yavama, their relationship is described as a relationship of Hakka. Why is Hakka a code word for their intimacy? The answer is because it's like they're, they're kind of... For, then they're not really, they didn't go out together. This was kind of brought upon them because of the matzav of Yibam. Whenever you have a yichud where the two sides are not really a shidduch right now, but we just got to work this out, like a shotgun wedding, that's called hakah. That's called hakah. And so Klai Yisrael at that moment were holding by the Eitzadas. That's why the word sur, which is how the rock is described in the beginning of the 40 years, equals begimachia, also the name Elohim, spelled out in full, Plus the kailo, that's the name, that's the word sur. The, the miloy of elokim in the word sur is with the miloy, the miloy, uh, the miloy 
Hayin. So it's a little bit of a different gematria. But Al-Kopanim, the word Tzur is a big gematria, the name, it's connected with the name of Elokim. Because Kalah Yisrael at that moment were holding by the Eitzadas. But Moshe Rabbeinu, who's the Eitzachayim, was forced to give them a taste of the Eitzachayim to raise them up and to give them the proper Achana that they needed to eventually stand by Arsina and receive the Torah. So therefore he's told to hit the rock. In other words, to bring down to them light and illumination and ha'ara of the Yitzchayim, even though they're not ready for it, they're not prepared for it in the way of Hakkah. But that's all the beginning of the 40 years. And therefore the Jewish people have the waters of Miriam and they're preparing themselves and they stand by our Sinai. But then something amazing happens. They're given the test of the eagle. What happens? So they're standing by our Sinai, and, they want, and they're ready to receive the Yitzchayim. But then something amazing takes place. Moshe Rabbeinu, in their mind, at least they think, Moshe Rabbeinu has died. That's what they think. And because of that, they panic, and they need to replace Moshe Rabbeinu, and they create an Egel Hazav. What was that in over there? What's going on over there? What, again, let's understand, it wasn't just the Rabbani Shalom testing them with a mistake. There was a Tikkun that could have happened by them thinking Moshe Rabbeinu was gone. What should, there have re- what should their reaction have been? The answer is as follows. What the Jewish people, the death in the mind of the, again, thinking that Moshe Rabbeinu died, the death of Moshe Rabbeinu would have meant the complete losing the Yitzchayim. In other words, the whole inning of Yitzchayim and Sraim and them drinking the waters of Moshe Rabbeinu was to prepare them to receive the Yitzchayim, the Torah of Kriyashma, the Torah of Yichud, the Torah of Shem Sektashim. No. But now they are thinking Moshe Rabbeinu has died. And the death of Moshe means, in their mind, that now they're forced to lose the Yitzchayim and only have the Yitzchadas Toivarah. And the Jewish people don't want that. They don't want the Yitzchadas, they want the Yitzchayim. And so they begin to panic and they try to replace Moshe Rabbeinu with the Egel. And that becomes a terrible, terrible mistake. But what was the mistake in Pneumius? The mistake of the Jewish people was to think that the sugyas of the Yitzchadas are not the sugya of the Yitzchayim. Their mistake was not to, was to, to, to not realize that the first sugi of Shas is Krishma. And that sugi of Krishma redefines all of your learning and it redefines every sugi of your life that all it is is really the Yitzchayim. The Yitzchayim is hidden within the Yitzchadas. The way to get back to Ganeidin is not to, to ignore the Yitzchadas Tavira and to escape it and to get just Moshe Rabbeinu. The, the real tikkun, the real tikkun of what could have been at that moment to really rectify the sin of Adam and Chava is not to reject the Yitzhadas, it's to be able to find the Yitzhachayim in the Yitzhadas. That's the real secret. That's the real tikkun. And the Jewish people were given that opportunity by thinking Moshe died. Because what they should have realized at that moment is, oh, Moshe is gone, which means all we have left is the Yitzhadas, but they should have been mechazik their amun and their faith. That what? That even with only seeing the Yitzhadas, the Yitzhachayim is still there. But instead of that, they became panic-stricken with the reality of the Yitzhadas and, and grasping at straws to, fight a re, to, find, to refine Moshe Rabbeinu or to, re, to find a person or a, or a thing that will be able to re, reconnect them to that purity of the Yitzhachayim. But that was their mistake. That was their sin. Moshe Rabbeinu fights for us, and the Jewish people survive that mistake. But that same mistake rears its ugly head weiter in the Meraglim. Why? What was the Meraglim about? So very, very quickly, the Meraglim was also about going to Eretz Yisrael. What's Eretz Yisrael? Eretz Yisrael means return to Gan Eden. Eretz Yisrael means return to the Eitzachayim. Eretz Yisrael, you know, we find it's many places we find this in Chazal that Eretz Yisrael is, is described like Gan Eden. You know, uh, for example, one quick example, the Mitzayra is not allowed to be in any of the major cities of Eretz Yisrael. Any walled city of Eretz Yisrael, which is like the real Kedushas Eretz Yisrael, he's not allowed to be a part of. Why? Because the Nachash, HaKadmaini, that said Lashon about Hashem, who was also stricken with Tzras, was kicked out of Gan Eden. And since Eretz Yisrael is like Gan Eden, so the Mitzayra is kicked out of Eretz Yisrael. It means Eretz Yisrael is the Bechin of Gan Eden. When the Meraglim were sent by Moshe Rabbeinu to go to Eretz Yisrael, they were told by Moshe Rabbeinu, Im Go look for the Yitzchayim. You're going to find by the Eretz Yisrael, you're going to find a taste, you're going to find Mamish, the Indian of the Yitzchayim. You're going to find a land that's pulsating with one sugi, and that's the sugi of Hashem Elkein Hashem Echad. But what happens? When they get to Eretz Yisrael, what do they find? They don't find the Yitzchayim. They find the Yitzchadas. They find unbelievable good things. That's the Yitzchadas Toiv. They find the pairs of Eretz Yisrael. But they find the Yitzchadas Toiv They find enemies of, of, of the Jewish people. They find many different sugyas. They don't see the clarity of the Moshe Rabbeinu uh, in full force in Eretz Yisrael. They see, if anything, they see the Abba, they see the Yitzhak Tavira, and they go running for the hills. 
they go the opposite way. They, they panic and they reject the Eitzadas, thinking that by rejecting the Eitzadas, that's when they'll get the Eitzachayim. But it was the same Nisayim. So Moshe Rabbeinu says in Chazal, let's, I'll, I'll quote you a couple of Midrashim, and from there we'll be able to put this all together. Chazal says in the Midrash that Moshe Rabbeinu was told by Hashem, speak to the rock. And again, that signals to Moshe Rabbeinu that the meaning of that is that Kal Yisrael are holding by a proper shidduch with the tire of the Eitzachayim. And with that, they'll be able to go into Eretz Yisrael and they'll be able to experience the Eitzachayim, the Ganeidin of Eretz Yisrael. It's Gavaldik. Chazal say and at that moment, Moshe Rabbeinu looked at the rock from a distance and saw the Shechina resting upon the rock. And the Shechina residing upon the rock meant the Eitzachayim. It means that Kal Yisrael holding by Hashem Echad that giloi of, of, of Yud Kevavke, and therefore the Shechina was revealed on that rock. Chazal sing the Medrash, and Moshe Rabbeinu approaches the rock, and all of a sudden as he approaches, he, he hears that Klai Yisrael is infighting, and there's machlekes, and there's questioning back and forth, and all of a sudden the Shechina leaves, the Shechina disappears. Now Moshe Rabbeinu seeing the Shechina disappear to him signaled the following reality, that Moshe Rabbeinu understands that to mean that Klai Yisrael have just fallen, they're in a matzav of Yerida, this mamish, this moment, and they're not holding anymore by Eitzachayim, they're holding weiter by the Eitzadah's Toivirah. And this moment, Moshe Rabbeinu therefore concludes, and he calculates, that now I still have my mission to give them a taste of the Eitzachayim, to give them the strength to be able to get to Eretz Yisrael and to experience Gan Eden the way it's supposed to be, but they're not holding by Eitzachayim anymore. So therefore Moshe Rabbeinu falls back to the Mahalach of the beginning of the 40 years, and hits the rock. But here's the mistake that Moshe Rabbeinu makes. The Leshen points this out, that Moshe Rabbeinu, he's right, that Moshe Rabbeinu, that, that Moshe Rabbeinu no longer saw the Shechina. But there was another thing that was taking place which should have told Moshe Rabbeinu that although the Shechina is not visible, the Shechina is still there. And what was that? So Chazal saying in the Medrash that, that there was a miracle that took place at this moment that all of the 600,000, you know, all of the Yidin were standing by the rock. That's a miracle. You have so many Yidin fitting in one particular spot. It's a miracle of miyat ma'achasek of the many that's able to fit in this small space. That miracle should have told Moshe Rabbeinu that although I don't see the Shechina, the Shechina must be here because if the Shechina was completely gone, such a miracle wouldn't be occurring. So if a miracle is happening like that, it must be that the Shechina is still here. And that was Moshe Rabbeinu's mistake. What's the oymik of this? The oymik of this is the following thing. Moshe Rabbeinu, again, it's the same mistake of the Egel, it's the same mistake of the Meraglim, it's just reoccurring on a much more subtle level in Moshe Rabbeinu's life, which is that, you're right, Moshe Rabbeinu, Kala Yisrael fell into the Eitz but even but what's in the Eitz Adas? The Eitz Adas is a Dover Muat. The Eitz Adas is a small thing. It's a finite, it's a Torah that fits that's custom-made to finite reality. The Yitzchayim, that's Dover Merubah. The Yitzchayim is, is infinite. The Yitzchayim is the name of Hashem, which is infinite. But Mi'at Merubah, what you're seeing right now is a miracle of the, of the great being, being fit into the small. And that's exactly what Moshe Rabbeinu should have realized, is that the Yitzchayim is contained within the Yitzchayim, that Elokus is manifest in all things. And even in the pratim, in the details, in the multiplicity, in the small, is contained the great. And this is the meaning, what we said, we had a contradiction in the Zara Kaddish. The Zara said that Moshe Rabbeinu should have spoken to the rock. Why? Because the rock represents the 60 Mesechtas of Shas, Shishi Sidri Mishnah, and the, the daughter of the king is someone that you speak to. But we asked the Kasha, I don't get it. The Shishi Sidri Mishnah is not the daughter of the king, it's the servant of the king. The answer is, that's exactly the point over here. The exact sign of Moshe Rabbeinu was to look at the Sela, which represents the 60 Mesechtas of Shas, which in truth, on the surface, is the servant of the king, not the king himself, but to realize that that Eitz which is the servant of the king, in Pnimius is the Eitzachayim. The Eitzachayim, which is the daughter of the king, exists within the Eitz Tevarah. That was the same sign as the Eagle, on a very, very uh, large scale, and it becomes the same sign of Moshe Rabbeinu on a much more delicate level. Now again, we don't, we're not masik of how Moshe Rabbeinu made this mistake. The Leshem talks about this as well, how the Rabbana Shalom was fearing the Velt, and these are things that are really beyond the khir of what's going on over here, how Moshe Rabbeinu was put in that matzif to make such a mistake. But this is the Nisayin of Moshe Rabbeinu, this was his mistake of looking at something which should be usually defined 
in externality, in chitzainius, as the servant of the king, but to realize that the servant of the king of Mishnayis has within it really only one sugi, which is the sugi of Kriyishma, the sugi of Hashem Elokein Hashem Echad. And that would have been the tachlis, that would have been the ultimate tikkun of all things. Note Moshe Rabbeinu makes the mistake, and we fall to a low place. But let's appreciate how all this is happening in the schos of Miriam, right? Remember that Miriam is the one that's sort of to, to give us the opportunity to misak in all these, all these mistakes. Miriam Hanavia, Miriam is also someone that's able to pick up and to sense a Moshe Rabbeinu, who is the Eitzachayim, even in an environment that's not the Eitzachayim. Right? So in Golis Mitzrayim, Miriam is, subtle, is sensitive enough to the light of Gula that she compels her parents to have a Moshe Rabbeinu. And even when Moshe Rabbeinu is then thrown into the, into the Nile, right, and in the basket, and everything is lost, and the Eitzachayim is gone, Miriam still sees the Eitzachayim. The inn of Miriam, and the well of Miriam in particular, has this kayak of what? Of Mesach and the Chet Egel, of realizing that even when the Eitzachayim is gone, even when Moshe Rabbeinu is not here, he still is. Even when all you're experiencing are the sugis of the Yitzhadas, really all you're experiencing is the Yitzhachayim. And this is in fact why we find this story from Rechaim Vital. When Rechaim Vital began to learn by his Rebbe, by the Ariyah Kaddish, so we know that the Rizal said that the Rizal was teaching him. And what was the Rizal teaching him? He was teaching him, Yitzhachayim, he was teaching him the secrets of Torah, the, Shema, the names of Hashem, that's the Torah, the first Luchas, that's what the Rizal was teaching him. The Sefer of the Rizal is called Yitzhachayim. But Rechaim Vital said about himself that he wasn't holding by such a place. He, he was still Eitzadas Toivara. We have a sefer written by Rechaim Vital that's not based on the teachings of his Rebbe Darizal in particular, and it's called Eitzadas Toiv. So the, Rebbe, the teaching of his Rebbe is called Eitzachayim. But Rechaim by himself is, is holding by the Eitzadas. And he wasn't able to be Masik, the Torah of the Rebbe. And so he said that, that Darizal rented a boat, a little bit of like a little canoe or something, and took him and Rechaim, they took him out in the middle of Kinaret. And a particular spot gave him to drink from the waters over there. And all of a sudden, the Rukhayim's mind opened up to be able to perceive the Eitzachayim. And the Rizal said, in this spot is the well of Miriam. And so you see, the end of the well of Miriam is to prepare a person who is in the universe of the Eitzachayim to be able to see the Eitzachayim. That's what Miriam is. That's what Miriam means. May rum and may mar, waters that are exalted and waters that are bitter. It's both. It's 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 It's... It's connected to the paraduma. It's metames at the It's being able to find the tree of life within death itself. It's tchias amesim. That's what Miriam is about. That's the inu of the tikkun of the chet egel. It's all wrapped up in paraduma. No, so what's our avoda? So we have to get to Eretz to bring the gula. The way to have that gula is not to escape the sugis of the etzadas, but it's to realize that every sugi of your life. Whether it be ksubas and yivamas and kedushin, whether it be going to work or or taking care of the family, of making a parnasa and learning and davening, in truth, that's all. Many many sugyas, that's all true, on the outside, but all the tire of the yitzhadas tayvara on the inside, it is the yitzhachaim. All it is is Hashem lokin Hashem echad, and that's the avaita. That's the that's the inyan of 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 what we have to do to misak in that chait of ultimately bring the tahara of the whole world to the paraduma. To that that Indian which is metame satameyim, that Indian which is which is tuma the etzadas tavira the 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 that Indian of of period of divisiveness of division, it contained within that is yichud itself. Tahara emerges out of tuma, like Chazal say the pasuk says mi yitain tar mi that only the one God only the Hashem alakein Hashem echad is able to take tahara out of Tumma. And that's the secret of the Paraduma. But the Paraduma really is something that brings Tumma. But somehow, miraculously, the Tahara comes out of that as well. The Yitzchayim emerges out of the Yitzchayim Tavaranu. So Hashem Shalbaz, who should be Zaycha collectively, individually, to be able to see that Tahara, to experience that Gula, to reconnect to the Yitzchayim, to come to Eretz Yisrael with Moshe Rabbeinu once again. Rabbi Yisrael Tzadik, Mehervi Amen.